As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is indeed a glorious, glorious day here. Of course, it is indeed time for Change the F Up. Hello, everybody. My name is Nate the F and Gray, your host. I'm being joined here by the lovely and talented and now Academy Award winning Victory Bell. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing very well. It thankfully stopped snowing outside, so don't have to worry too much about that. Um, we're kind of doing things a little bit different here because usually we've been doing things over a Skype call, but now we're doing it over a phone call just because due to, uh, a lot of things that have been going on. So if it sounds a little bit less quality wise, we do apologize, but it's just right now all we can do right now. So just bear with us. Um, but we are going to be discussing quite a bit about the Oscars, which we saw this past weekend and was pretty entertaining. Uh, also covering based on a couple other things, but before we get into too much, I uh, wanted to talk about this that happened a few days ago, the passing of actor Bill Paxton. Uh, man, uh, he's one of those guys, I didn't really get a chance to watch too many of his movies, but I definitely knew who he was from one of his great movies, uh, Twister, got the chance to see him in Mighty Joe Young, as well as the second and third Spy Kids movie when he was playing uh, Dickie Winks, which I actually did not even know that he played that. He definitely could be a funny character. He definitely could be an adventurous character. He's just one of those guys. I wish I got the chance to know more, and I could still watch a lot of his movies, but again, just a true legend in the you know movie business. Thoughts and prayers go out to the Paxton family. No, it's, it's tough to deal with the loss, but... That's been my experience with uh, Bill Paxton. You get a chance to ever watch a lot of his movies? Yeah, I mean, he's been Alien and Predator, and I'm pretty sure he's been a Terminator, too. So he was really, you know, high into the horror community, even though some people might not consider those, like, classic horrors. I think they definitely have that thrill alien horror concept, and he was always, you know, not like the star-starring role, but just a character that always helped him. 
know, a big part in people's hearts and stuff. And he was just that kind of actor that he was either, you know, you feel like he was like the dad or some sort of funny comic relief character, but a really good, really good actor and too, too soon, too soon for him to go. Yeah, and, well, actually what's going to be crazy is now that uh, I'm looking at his uh, filmography bio, and it, it actually says that his recent film that he did was The Circle. He's uh, playing a father role. But now I'm looking at that. I wanted to kind of see the movie anyway, because I thought Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, actually looks like a really good movie. But now I think a lot of people are going to see that just to see, I think, you know, Bill Paxton's final performance before he passed on. So I th- I th- it'll be interesting to see how... How, how it goes with that. But, but like I said, now we can move on to the, see, I thought there was other, one other thing that I wanted to talk about. Let me check really quick. There was. There was. What was the, um, oh, that's right. Oh my gosh. How could I forget about that? Uh, Logan is premiering this Friday, you guys. For those of you that don't know, basically another Wolverine movie, but it's rated R. And a lot of people are really getting into it, saying that it could be Oscar-worthy, so that is yet to be seen. But it is interesting seeing the trailers and seeing how different it is from a lot of the other Wolverine movies that I've gotten the chance to see. But also, funny thing... Uh, you've probably seen this a lot, but on Facebook, they have just been really, really stressing that this movie is rated R, and that it's probably not the best movie to bring your kids to. It's gory, it's going to be violent, it's... What, what's that? I feel like we've seen this before on another superhero movie that people might should have not brought their kids, but they did anyway. Well, I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> oh gee, I wonder what could it be like a red guy that basically wouldn't call him much of a douchebag, but kind of more of the funny kind of person that you would expect to really get their ass kicked and still be comical doing it. Uh, possibly Deadpool by chance, hmm, more than likely. But <laughs> I'm gonna guess that I'm gonna guess Logan is the same type of R rating as Deadpool, as in like it's not gonna be. As foul and uh, you know, <laughs> sexy and risque, but I, I bet it's high on the violence, and I, I can still see the cursing being pretty strong. So I would not bring your child to that, and it's probably going to be very violent. They go by the comic. Yeah, I definitely do agree with that. Um, but you know, let's get right into what we were really getting the chance to talk to, and that being the Oscars. Our thoughts on them, basically a review on that. Uh, Starting off, actually, with the uh, critical reception and television ratings, uh, apparently this attained about a 32.9 million uh, U.S. viewers, according to the uh, Nielsen ratings, and for some reason it's mentioned that the telecast was about 4% less viewership than what it was at last year's ceremony and had the lowest U.S. viewership since the 80th ceremony in 2008, which averaged about 32 million viewers. And to that I say, so what? I mean, all honesty, I mean, one night of the year you get 32 million views. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's still pretty good. I mean, I can understand if it went down to like, you know, 
20 million or 10 million, that could be a big deal. But only like, you know, a 4% drop, that's not a big deal. It's one of those things where, you know, it happens. Some people just maybe didn't like the alignment. Maybe they didn't like, you know, all the nominations, but it's not, not really that big of a deal. I don't know. Your thoughts? Well, being a part of the TV business for two and a half years, uh, ratings, sorry, I have pet birds, everyone, and for some reason I have to be by them today, and they enjoy my voice and your voice, so they talk to me. So if you hear a little, like, squeaks in the background, it's my birds trying to put their opinions in, and <laughs> you don't want your... Be quiet. But, um, so like I would say, um, being in the TV business for two and a half years, Ratings is everything to them. It is how you make your money. It's how you sell advertisements. It's everything. So any form of droppage is bad. And what, what did you say their most highest year was? Um, actually, I don't think it mentioned their highest year. It mentioned it was just a 4% oh. uh, decrease from last year and that it was about the same amount of uh, viewership since the 80th uh, ceremony. Okay. Like they've been having a pretty nice coverage for nine years, and since this was the 89th Oscar, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I'm pretty sure it's the 89th. So for them to go back nine years and have a drop, it's, it's never a good thing. I mean, yeah, you could say so what about it, but the only thing is, is TV's business. It is a business. It's not just for entertainment, sadly. Um, you just have to see why. I mean, when you, last year, having the hashtag all-white Oscars type of thing, you would think that it would have lower ratings than this year, but I don't know, I, I could see it being something that people are maybe are done with the political views being thrown across their screen constantly in these award shows, but Hollywood loves to do that, Hollywood loves to talk about you know, the negativity of the president and whatnot, and I could see how some people might be sick of that, just don't want to watch award shows that are going to just bash people that, I mean, a decent amount of people did vote for Trump, so you got to be careful if you're going to do a whole award show and have constant jokes against him, some people are not going to want to watch it, so it's that, that flirtation of being, you know, wanting to, of course, voice your opinion and also wanting to have a larger amount of viewers. And but on the produce, uh, producing and production side, I probably would have limited the jokes just a little, not because I disagree with them personally or anything like that. I thought most of them were pretty funny. Um, but just because such half the country is split. Half the country loves Trump, half the country hates Trump. Even if over social media everybody's like, oh, this and that, this and that. You know, sadly, you're still pretty split. So it's hard to get those viewers if you're going to bash somebody they like the whole time. That that would be my only thing. I don't think I blame the movies or the nominees or anyone else or even the hosts. I thought Jimmy Kimmel did a good job. I I think it's just the whole aspect of what award shows are about now. And sadly, some people don't want to watch that. Yeah, and that's actually a smooth transition to the next thing I want to talk about. And that being, of course... Uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosting. I honestly thought that he did a phenomenal job. He was definitely funny. He definitely knew how to keep everybody's interest into the show. Uh, if I had to basically break it down for people, what 
it was like to have Jimmy Kimmel as host. I would say, as far as like everything that he did, uh, in my opinion, I don't think he really did too much in the way of you know Donald Trump jokes, except like at the beginning and a couple times during the show. So I would say maybe like fifteen percent of the show was probably directed towards Donald Trump. Thirty-five percent was probably all of his other jokes that he either did on his late night show or just random things that he thought of, and fifty percent was on his quote-unquote beef with uh, Matt Damon because, oh my gosh, those moments were just golden. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I mean, his uh, viewing of... what when A lot of things that they did was that they had like an actor watching a classic movie. Jimmy Kimmel was watching We Bought a Zoo and saying how bad it was and how he was the only one in a theater. Or when Matt Damon was up doing a presentation with Ben Affleck and... Jimmy Kimmel is in the orchestra pit looking like he's just trying to cut him off. That was kind of more what I got out of the entire thing was, again, the quote-unquote, like I said, the quote-unquote beef with uh, Matt Damon, which was, again, golden. It was awesome, just flat-out funny, and it made me kind of not focus so much on the political jokes that they kept on making, although some of those jokes were actually pretty funny. But, uh, I don't know, am I wrong for assuming... That's kind of how I see Jimmy Kimmel as the host for Sunday. Oh no, I thought he did a good job. Um, I think his Trump jokes were a little higher than fifteen percent. I mean, he did that whole. Uh, it was funny when he was tweeting at him and stuff like that. He did that. He did, he did a lot of stuff, but everybody kind of you know took a swing. Um, which I again, I thought the tweeting thing was hilarious. Are you up, bro? And stuff like that. Like you watching what we're doing right now? Narrow so tight. Um, but. Yeah, uh, I I thought one of the best things that he did, which some people were like, this is super weird, this is super dumb, but I loved his little, like, whole planning a sketch of having the people coming from the tour bus to the Oscars, and he made somebody super famous here in Chicago, we got Gary from Chicago, <laughs> who basically got married by Denzel Washington, um, Actually, it was kind of crazy because that was actually one of the first things that uh, I remember watching when I was having breakfast at the hotel room. I remember just watching the news and one of the first things that they were talking about was, again, you know, the couple from Chicago. And I'm like, well, I mean, they're making news headlines and everybody's probably just thinking like, oh, man, got to follow this guy. I got to tweet this guy. I got to do that. But I didn't realize that he got, you know, that much, I wouldn't say publicity, but that much, you know, of a reception, of a reaction from everybody saying like, oh yeah, you're you're rocking, you know, the Bulls attire, the Sox attire, all that. And just getting like, I don't know, just, you know, that kind of spe- special, I guess, attention, which, you know, hey, spot on you, man. That's pretty awesome. Uh, the other thing that kind of, <laughs> that kind of stood out to me about that whole uh, bus tour deal was the 
uh, other couple as a Eulery and I think the other guy's name was uh, Patrick. <laughs> Where? Uh, oh yeah, they were funny too. Well, it was it was just funny to me because she she makes her name sound like all fancy and then the other guy's just like eh, my name's Patrick so it was kind of one of those things where it's like like oh my name's uh, Mao, Mao Wing Ying and what's your name Bob just it's like it's a fancy name and then it just goes into just simple it's like oh I'm Pat I'm Patrick whatever <laughs> but no it's just it was just really cool just seeing that and everybody got the chance to meet some of the you know Oscar nominees or some of the stars it was just really cool and Again, that, you mentioned you know Denzel Washington. I loved the uh, woman's reaction when Jimmy Kimmel says, "You know, who's your favorite actor?" And she just looks over, points at Denzel Washington, and says, "That guy." <laughs> Denzel just comes over, just like, just like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> it was awesome. All right, so from that, we go on to the uh, film nominations and awards. Uh, basically, kind of quick breakdown as to how. It went down. As far as nominations go, La La Land got 14 nominations. Uh, with eight nominations, that was Arrival and Moonlight. Six, Hacksaw Ridge, Lion, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, four for Fences and Hell or High Water. Three for Hidden Figures and Jackie. And two for a long list of <laughs> movies ranging from Deepwater Horizon to Florence Foster Jenkins, from Kubo and the Two Strings to Moana, Passengers, Rogue. One, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, One Man Called Off, it just ranged big time. And kind of give you guys a quick spoiler, basically films that received multiple awards. Six went to La La Land, three went to Moonlight, and two went to Hacksaw Ridge and Manchester by the Sea. And honestly, there was a lot. Let, let, we'll get right into it. Um, starting off with... The first two at the bottom of the Wikipedia page. Uh, best Film Editing went to Hacksaw Ridge. And Best Visual Effects went to The Jungle Book. For which a lot of us, well myself, really was hoping that it would go to Doctor Strange. But I'm not going to deny that Jungle Book did not deserve that. Because like you mentioned, this kid basically had to almost carry the whole story while they had to do CGI animations. And he's doing this all within a blue screen. Just crazy how much work and effort that they put into that. Yeah, definitely. No, about Jungle Book and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I think they did a great job. I think they definitely deserved some Oscar points there. So I think they, they deserve the Oscar, just seeing all that and all the you know special CGI and all the effects they had to do. I mean, that was a category. So I can. Doctor Strange was really great. Um, a lot of, I think, the same special effects might have been used a little too often, and maybe that's why mm. they didn't win the Oscar. I could see that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I thought that The Jungle Book was well-deserved, and as much as I'd like to see Marvel, I don't know if Marvel has an Oscar yet, but I know that DC got one for The Dark Knight, and now they got one for Suicide Squad. But I'm not for sure. I, I totally could be if not educated about the Marvel Oscars, but I was just trying to look it up in general. But I don't know if Marvel has another Oscar. I would, I would think they would with all the superhero movies they produce. But well, I'll, I'll look at... I'll, I'll look at, I'll look into that while we get into the uh, next category. That being well, the next two categories, uh, 
around here. That being, well, no, now I lost my place. There we go. Like you mentioned, um, best makeup and hairstyling went to Suicide Squad, and then best costume design went to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Let's really talk a lot about the best makeup and hairstyling because you and I both had the same reaction of just like, wow, uh, they, they they won, surprisingly enough. I mean, you can make the case for, um, I think it was, you know, Empress and, you know, and and, and the, basically the Crocodile guy, you know, they had a lot of good makeup and hairstyling for them. But looking at it as a whole with all the categories of, you know, the Man Called Av as well as Star Trek Beyond, I looked at it and I thought, well, it kind of would have went more to Star Trek. I'm not usually big on Star Trek. I got a chance to watch a couple of classic episodes and it's just really hard for me to get into. I'm not dissing it at all. Don't get me wrong. But it was kind of one of those things where I thought, I think Star Trek Beyond kind of deserved a little more than that. I think that it deserved the Oscar more than Suicide Squad because I thought that their makeup was just outstanding. It kind of almost reminded me a lot of, you know, like Avatar or some of the other great films. But Suicide Squad, really? I mean, I don't know where the thought process really came in there. I just don't see Suicide Squad really wing that. Yeah, they had some great, you know, makeup and hairstyling designs, but I think that it definitely deserved to go to Star Trek Beyond. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just being bitter because DC won and Marvel didn't, but it's just one of those things where I, I'm just really confused on where they thought that maybe that movie was better than Star Trek. I don't know. Your thoughts? Um, my only thing would be, again, we're not in the Academy, we don't know, I, I don't have the list of criteria that was up there that, that made them win or whatnot, but when I hear makeup and hairstyling, I don't always think of FX makeup, I think, I don't know if that's a different category or if it, I mean, I kind of don't think it would be, but maybe style that Star Trek used was maybe more computerized than what we think they were, because a lot of the, a lot of the, I mean, I saw the costumes and the characters that Star Trek has made, and I, I've seen that movie, I really liked Star Trek Beyond a lot, and that's why when we were watching the Oscars, I kind of was like, I couldn't see Suicide Squad beating them, but when you kind of saw the kind of back-to-back who they presented, as, like, when they were saying best makeup nominees, Suicide Squad, they were showing Joker, they were showing Harley Quinn, they were showing uh, Killer Croc. And for Star Trek, they kind of only showed two people, and that was uh, the main girl who is kind of all whited out with the black lines of her face. I forget her name, but she was, like, the main one of the main chicks on the for Star Trek Beyond. And then they also showed Edith Idris Elba's character, who was the main bad guy, and he had to grow into his deformity or whatnot. He, he went from looking like a crazy alien figure to looking like him. Um, and that was an incredible makeup transformation. So it's kind of surprised that Suicide Squad beat him, but maybe we just don't know what type of makeup was used. Like, maybe it was all just, like, printed, and they just, like, pasted it on for these people, and they didn't really have to do much. But that could be my only explanation of why Suicide Squad might have just had just more actual makeup artist work than 
that's makeup work. Hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know really from just looking at it from back here where I am in the entertainment industry where I'm just a, a low actor who hasn't been in the bus much. Um, I just, and I do makeup myself. I, I'm like, ah, it looks like Star Trek Beyond had more work and more product. But, again, we don't know. Yeah. Oh, and uh, basically to touch base on the whole uh, Marvel winning the Oscar deal, it looks like the only Marvel Oscar that they got was for Spider-Man 2 in 2004 for Best Visual Effects. So, I mean, at least we could say that they won wow. one, at least, but, you yeah, know. But I feel like that, I'm like, really? They won for that movie? Well, I mean, in all fairness, and I'm talking from experience, I think that it's two did better than three, but I also think that three casting wise was not the best one. And I, I did mention in my uh, cha- changing up Spidey podcast uh, how I would have differed it, like not have you know Topher Grace be you know uh, Eddie Brock because geez Louise Topher Grace. Love the guy, but he's just—he's just a little pipsqueak. I'm sorry. He still reminds me of as the guy Eric, guy Eric Foreman from that '70s show, and seeing him go from that to being a villain, it's like, huh? It's kind of head scratching. Yeah, well, what's that special effects though? Like that doesn't matter. I'm talking about like, I mean, they had Guardians of the Galaxy, they had the Avengers. Those things are. I think that special effects wise, they probably trumped Spider-Man too. But I guess maybe in that day and age, maybe. Maybe, maybe. maybe. And up, have they had other nominations? Can you look at those? They at least had nominations because I mean, I guess if you're up against Avatar, you're not going to win. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure their movies was, but yeah, I, I don't know. That one on the topic again, but yeah. I just can't believe like, huh? It's had some really good special. I mean, Iron Man when it came out, it was seriously like, whoa. Like they have a whole suit moving around, doing these crazy things, and it's definitely all special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to probably look into that and maybe save that for another episode. But anyway, um, move on from that to uh, two of the categories that La La Land won. Uh, best Production Design, as well as Best uh, Cinematography. Uh, Arrival won Best Sound Editing, which I can't really disagree with that. Best Sound Mixing went to Hexar Ridge. Uh, best original score went to La La Land. Best original song went to City of Stars from La La Land. And let's actually talk about that because you and I were really kind of confused about when they did the actual uh, song performances. Uh, of course, uh, the girl who played uh, Moana, she sang the song, and unfortunately, we only got to see half of it because the room that we because the rooms that we were staying at the connection was just horrible channel wise but uh the following day i actually remember them talking to the actress about you know singing on there and how there was that one ribbon that actually got her in the face and how she barely was phased by that i'm thinking well she wasn't going to pull something that happened at one of the grammys like you were telling me earlier in the day that you know somebody just said like oh i messed up i'm sorry can i just restart it can i do this blah 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 but I just respected her, you know, just saying, like, you know, oh, it happened. Hey, it happened. Whatever. I'm totally okay with that. Let's just keep going. But, uh, yeah, um, 
Uh, Empty Chair was played. Can't Stop the Feeling kicked off the Oscars. City of Stars was performed by John Legend. Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah. And they didn't even do Audition the Fools Who Dream. So I'm still confused on why, you know, why everybody else who did the movie from, you know, Trolls, James, James, uh, Jim the James, Foley's story, and Moana, they had the original actors, you know, sing it, but then when it came to La La Land, it felt like, you know, they were saying, like, oh, we're too good for that, so we're just going to have somebody else sing our song, or not even sing the final song, so it's just, I don't know, it's just really weird, I don't understand their, again, another thing where I just don't understand their mindset, and this has nothing to do with the Academy, I think it has more to do with the, uh, people who were, you know, producing or they're, they're as directing for La La Land. It's just, why wouldn't they have, you know, Emma Stone? Why wouldn't they have Ryan Gosling sing those songs? Because that's what got them the nomination in the first place. I mean, my answer to that would maybe be wrong, but the only thing I could think of for you to bring on a person like John Legend to come and sing your song for you which he did a, a nice, uh, he did an awesome job, I enjoyed it, is maybe Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone really didn't sing in the movie, or they were very auto-tuned, where they wanted the songs to sound as amazing as possible on screen, but maybe they're not the best singers, mm. or they just didn't feel comfortable. That could be my only explanation there, and that, to me, that takes away a little bit from was about to say, are you talking about uh, the role you play as Stacy in the Dettersons? Because there were quite a few moments where I was thinking to myself, oh, I get to hear get to hear her sing, get to hear her sing, but then I hear like this pop teen sensation voice coming out. It's like, what? I know she's actually oh, pretty... I actually did sing a little bit in there, but they just haven't, we don't have the rights to any songs or anything. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, okay. well, they, they've asked they want me to sing in something, and I'm like, sure, I'll sing. They And I karaoke with them, and both of them, they're like, we didn't know you could kind of sing. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I can hold it, too. I'm like, uh, I have my go-to songs for karaoke that I know how to sing and I know how to perform, but I, again, I'm not going to lie and say that I think I have the best voice in the world. I don't. I'm not. If I did, I would be singing, and I'd be famous for singing already. <laughs> I don't have the best voice in the world. Um, so I could see why those actors would maybe be like, huh, for performance-wise, and to enjoy this even more, let's have John Legend, who is known for his singing and having the, one of the most beautiful voices, sing it. Okay. I, I can kind of see the point there. I can 
I can totally sympathize and totally get why they did that now. It was just kind of a little bit disappointing because I would have thought that, you know, even if it was like auto-tune, well, then again, we don't want to have an Ashley Simpson, you know, deal where, you know, like the song goes and they just miss their cue or it just seems like, you know, they're mouthing other random words or something like that. I can understand why they probably didn't have Emma Stone and uh, Ryan Gosling did that, if that's the case, but... So you mean to tell me that not only is uh, Hugh Jackman a total badass when it comes to Wolverine, but he can actually sing pretty well? Oh my gosh, yes. He has an amazing voice. He actually got started on Broadway. Wow. I actually did not know that. Well, actually, it's, cra- it's crazy when you see like a lot of these actors that you see in one role, and then they do like a completely different role that seems like it's out of their element. Like For me, it was... Uh, uh, who was it? Gerard Butler, when he was in the role of Phantom of the Opera, I was... First of all, I didn't even know that was even him. I thought it was just some other random character. But apparently, it was him. He just shaved his beard off and everything. I was like, wow. Yeah. And, and as, soon, as soon as I heard him sing, my jaw literally dropped to the ground. I'm like, what? This yeah, is the same guy who was in 300. That's a great movie. Great movie. And yes, it, it was him. It was him. <laughs> oh, man. Well, go, going off of that and moving on to... Uh, best live action short film went to Sing. Best animated short film went to Piper, which was an adorable movie. Uh, best documentary went to OJ Made in America. Best documentary went to The White Helmets. Uh, best animated feature film went to Zootopia. Let's discuss that a little bit. Again, I thought that this was crazy that in. Uh, the Golden Globe Awards, Zootopia took the win for that, and I thought, well, it's probably going to be a one-time thing. They're probably going to give it to, you know, Moana, or they're going to give it to maybe Kubo and the Two Strings, but no, Zootopia took the Oscar win, and I think we kind of touched base on this. We kind of talked about, you know, like the differences between some of the movies, like Kubo and Moana. No, we don't know that much about My Life as Zucchini or The Red Turtle. As soon as I saw, like, basically what those movies were, I'm like, oh, Okay, so my life as zucchini is not about vegetables. Okay, then, like, at least it's not like so- it's at least it's not like sausage party. Uh, red turtle was basically about a red turtle, and I'm thinking, huh, okay, that's not bad. Um, but yeah, I think it had to be neck and neck between Zootopia and Moana because both of them had you know great storylines. The plots were great. Character development was just amazing. Uh, I think that it went. I think it might have went to Zootopia, maybe because it had a little more. I don't know. I think they had this, the family side to it, but also had a little more, I guess, adult humor 
to it. I just think that maybe Zootopia really brought it home with just being, again, original and being something that, you know, Disney hasn't done something in years, I think. They haven't really done too many animal-based movies as much. Uh, Moana still was great, though. I will say that. But I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think you hit, a, hit the nail on the head there. Just It was a totally different look. And what's kind of weird, though, is like when Zootopia came out, I'm pretty sure like uh, a few other movies that were semi-similar, like Sting from DreamWorks, I think, with like at Kawama, it was like a singing competition. Mm-hmm. Like that was coming out, and other things were kind of like mirroring what Zootopia was like. Just with the whole characters are animal cats who just live in this animal world, and yada yada. But I, I couldn't compare any of any of the movies that came out to Zootopia. Again, like we said in our our live broadcast of the Oscars, I legit watched Zootopia like five times already, <laughs> and. The reason I watched it in the first place was uh, my sister's boyfriend's daughter wanted to watch it, and I'm like, oh, yay, like, this is going to suck. <laughs> I see talking animals with big eyes, and you're like, oh, this is going to be like a little kid movie. I'm excited, but and I love Disney movies, but I'm like, okay, sure, we can watch it. I'm tired. I'll probably fall asleep. And I stayed up, and I loved it. And it's funny, because, like, the, the kids, she was, like, quoting from it. I'm like, shh, quiet. <laughs> I need to be quiet. <laughs> I need to listen to it. Um, it, it had great little music. It, it wasn't all about song and dance, like some kids in Disney movies are. Uh, it was just amazing. And, it, again, like you were saying, that adult humor, like, stuff that I got that the kid didn't get. And I was like, oh, thank goodness you don't get this. But... from uh, that to best foreign film language film uh, The Salesman from Iran I, I was actually kind of surprised by that but at the same time it was kind of really good to see that you know even with everything that has gone on in the Middle East that you know we still recognize you know very talented and very well done you know movies despite any differences that we may have you know politically this was just one of those movies where I think that you and I were thinking that it was probably going to go to the you know a man called Ave, or maybe even uh, I th- no I think that was the one that I kind of predicted, and then it went to the salesman, and I'm like, oh wow, and then I remembered, oh yeah, it was in Iran, holy cow, 
that uh, can't take by surprise. It's just really cool to see that, you know, despite differences that we may have with the Middle East, it's so good to at least say that, you know, hey, we're giving you guys the thumbs up. It's really cool that you made this movie. Yeah. I mean, I have not seen any of those movies, so I don't know which one was the best. So I think when we were saying, oh, I hope this, I hope that, I mean, I literally said, I'm just going by the country and whether or not I want to go there. And I'm pretty sure the first three that came up were Denmark, Sweden, and Australia. And I'm like, oh, man. I want to go to all those places. (laughs) And then uh, there was the Iran and Germany, I'm pretty sure, were the last two or something. Um, Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I was like, I probably don't really want to go to Iran right now. It's not on my top ten list. And I was like, so I guess I'll pick Australia because that's where I want to go first. So going off of those choices, going off by where they're from <laughs> is not a good picking style. I haven't seen any of them, so I'm pretty sure that the, the movie that won the, the movie, uh, the, what, The Salesman? Yeah, The Salesman, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's probably an incredible movie, and that's probably why they won. It wasn't because of where it was made, and I think that's a great part of the Academy, which the Academy does pretty good. The Academy isn't an American society it's an international academy of filmmakers it just happens to always be hosted in the united states because that's where most movies are made the a majority of movies are made in la and that's why it's always hosted there so um, yeah they, they do international stuff all the time so i'm glad they include everybody yeah yeah we'll kind of talk about another uh international uh actress who got nominated for one of the higher uh, Academy Awards in just a minute, but going through to uh, Best Original Screenplay was won by Manchester by the Sea. Best Adapted Screenplay was Moonlight. Uh, Best Supporting Actor was, <laughs> hopefully I say his name right, um, here Shala Ali uh, from Moonlight. And Best Supporting Actress was Viola Davis for Fences. Man, Viola Davis gave one of the best speeches that really did move me quite a bit. And it was one of those things where I've seen her work before and she's definitely well deserving of that nom- uh, that win. Uh, I honestly thought it was going to go to Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, even though you know a lot of people might disagree. It's like, well, she was more of a comedy character than anything. And it's like, well, she still played a pivotal role in that movie and she played one of the best, you know, under... No, I guess, I don't know if the phrase underknown is even accurate, but just underappreciated characters in the Nassau history. And then you got Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. Eh, It was one of those things where it's like, well, she appeared like maybe two, four, four times max in that movie, so I can't really say that she did too much or brought too much to that movie. No disrespect to Michelle Williams. It's just one of those things where it was just like, eh, I don't know how she really got to that, but I guess they needed to promote Manchester by the Sea, but again, Viola Davis, definitely well-deserving of that Oscar win for Fences, and it was hard for me to almost not cry when she just gave, she put her heart into it, it was just one of those things where it's like, you definitely deserve it, you definitely deserve the victory. Uh, your thoughts on, I guess, you know, the four categories that I mentioned? Yeah, I was, I mean, 
mean, I was rooting for, I'm not sure, I hate this, Mr. Ali, I'll call him. <laughs> I've been, I was rooting for his role in Moonlight. And again, I didn't get a chance to watch all of Moonlight, but I was able to get bits and pieces of his part in his conversations with the younger actor that he played, um, that he was basically supporting. And it was incredible, and just his versatility is awesome to see. Like, he was, like, being, like, a thug guy in this movie, and, like, you were just talking about um, hidden figures. He's, like, this, uh, like, award-winning, like, you know, admiral or something or captain or some person in the military that is very high-ranked. And he just, he was, I felt like he was, like, everywhere this year. So for him to win an award and bring bring home the award I thought was really awesome and for Moonlight too which Moonlight like we were talking about before we can talk more about it later because we probably will um, but it was just really good to see so did a good job well actually what's really crazy is um like I, like I said, I'm getting most of my facts from the Wikipedia page, and actually on the side here it has like pictures of you know who won this movie, who won this movie, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it actually has Ali's picture, and it says Best Supporting Actor Winner and First Muslim Recipient of the Award. I'm like, wow, that's... Oh, wow. <laughs> you mean to tell me after 89, it took 89 years for them to... to finally give them an award? Well, okay, fine. At least it went to, at least it went to somebody very well-deserving, I mean... Spot on you, Ali. Right, right. Uh, now we get on to the final, yep, final four, which, oh boy, this, this is going to be very interesting, especially when we get to uh, Best Picture. But first going with Best Actor, uh, Casey Affleck winning for his performance in Manchester by the Sea. I was in shock by this. I was honestly thinking it was going to go to maybe Ryan Gosling, uh, Denzel Washington, uh, maybe I would even throw Andrew Garfield in there, but as soon as they mentioned, you know, Casey Affleck from Manchester by the Sea, I'm like, this kid just got his first Oscar nomination, and he won. That is really imp- impressive. I was honestly not expecting that, and I guess kind of looked a little bit like, you know, okay, well, Casey Affleck's won an award, so what does that say about his brother Ben? And I had to look up, and I'm like, oh, well, um... He's still in the pending zone. So, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so hopefully it's not going to be one of those deals where it's like a, uh, I'm making a football reference here, like a Peyton Manning, Eli Manning deal where one brother's getting all competitive and another one's just like, oh, well, he does this, well, I'm going to do this, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but no, I honestly was surprised by that, and I thought, okay. Um, I'm not going to diss him. I thought that, again, you know, it wasn't one of those things where I kind of stood out to me like, oh, this should be you know the winner, 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 obviously. But spot on, yeah. I thought Casey Affleck did a pretty good job in Manchester by the Sea, so definitely well deserved. Yeah, I don't mean to be this person, but I oh, do please do, please do. <laughs> I have to bring up something just because uh, one of my Facebook friends like shared an article with me, and I know where she's going with this. Since we're going to be talking, since we've been talking about the Oscars, it's just something I, I have to address, just because it's brought up, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know about this until, like, until he won the Oscar. Um, I mean, I'm all happy for him that he did a great performance, and, you know, he did a good job. I think he also, you know, a lot, 
that he produced and stuff. He did a lot from this movie, so it's good to see him win an award. But apparently he's been through a lot of different like, trials about being an abusive actor to his co-star. Um, yeah, I heard that. Case, yeah, there's been cases of him like terrorizing sexually his female co-stars and in his mockumentary, I'm Still Here, and it's just stuff that I didn't like coming out about this, and I think, in general, I'm like, oh, I don't know, and you know, along the article, they were also kind of saying, and the article that I, I was reading is from L.com, so it's, you know, it's not something that's just blown out of the air, like, it's not made up. L is, you know, a magazine, and Usually their writers are somewhat educated for what they're talking about and back it up with information that is true. But, like, they were talking about how, you know, Mel Gibson got so many awards this year, and they're like, yeah, they gave him kind of six years to, like, get his act back together, but it's still hard to, like, show that we're holding these male figures to a high, you know, almost godlike descent after they also have abused and hurt a bunch of people and said stuff that we really shouldn't maybe hold to the highest extent. So, I don't know, it's just weird to see that. It's like, oh, yeah, he's the best actor right now and he's going to hold this title for a whole year and he's going to prove that again next year. And I don't know if he's been pretty sure they're still, like, in court about this type of stuff, but it's just weird to see, like, oh... Some of the things he said are just like, oh, that's scary. Like, I don't know what I would have done. Like, he, he apparently told someone to get into his hotel room, and if she doesn't come, he's going to, you know, mess with her career. And it's kind of scary because he would be somebody who, in the acting world, I probably would be afraid of if somebody like that said something about my career. Like, oh, he's, he's up there in the business. And obviously now he's won an award. So it's like, ah, I could ruin my career if I deny this guy a chance to get into me. What? You know? It just, it, it just seems scary. Who knows? This could just be allegations, but it's just something like, ah, it makes me a little, a little sad on the inside to know that he won an Oscar, one of the most prestigious awards in, you know, a career that I've chosen to go into and he also has some of these things that he's done that are just kind of sick to me. And I would like to say as a side note, for the record, I know that a lot of people that listen to our podcast have always heard either, you know, my friend uh, Spencer and Max, they like to make the joke, you know, oh, we got got to change your pants because of, you know, awesome moments. Uh, even my Spencer has used the word jizz on, on uh, one of our podcasts, but, uh, this is probably the first time ever that I've actually ever heard in one of these podcasts the the word "come" actually used in one of our podcasts. So I'm not I'm not giving you, you a hard time about it. It's just one of those things where I understand, you know, huh? where it's getting at. It's just one of those Wait, things where it's like, I, <laughs> what was that? No, no, no. When I said "come," I meant "come." Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, yeah. that just shows where my so mind is at. <laughs> well. <laughs> well then I stand corrected and just it's just my dirty mind there but uh, yeah, that, that. 
I'm I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure if I was that bad, you would have smacked me upside the head, you know, during the live broadcast. But no, you were just <laughs> but you were just too busy seeing my face as I was drinking that bourbon. So. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, I oh, I could tell every single time I take a sip of bourbon, you were almost on the floor laughing because you were just enjoying yourself too much. But moving on, moving on. Uh, best actress went to Emma Stone for La La Land. And you you were you were correct that this was Emma Stone's first uh, Oscar win. I had to look back to see if she had any. She got nominated for quite a few, but she never actually got a win. Um, a couple of the other actresses that were here, uh, Isabel uh, Hopper, I think her name is. Uh, very interesting to see her on there, just because that it's not every award ceremony we get to see somebody from a you know foreign country get nominated for a major award deal. I thought, you know, hey, this is great that we're getting that diversity. Uh, Ruth uh, Niga, uh, Natalie Portman, which I like to state that, you know, mentioned the fact that she wasn't there because she was super pregnant. It's like, okay. But I will say that, you know, after they, they showed her performance and then they showed that picture of her, uh, first thing that kind of popped into my head was just, you know, her the way her eyes kind of jumped out. I almost kind of jumped like, ah! I was not expecting that. Thankfully, I wasn't. I was paying attention instead of not paying attention. Because if I was not paying attention to the uh, screen, and then I turn around and I see that face, I probably would have fallen over the couch. Just being like, "Okay, I was not expecting that. Did not need to see that picture." Okay. And uh, final one was Meryl Streep for her performance in Flores Foster Jenkins. And you honestly did think that uh, Meryl Streep probably had a good chance of winning this award. So. It was kind of interesting to see the diversity where I was like, that's eh, going to go to Emma Stone. It's like, well, it might go to Meryl Streep. It's like, well, I mean, she's great. Some people think that she's overrated, but I think that, you know, Meryl Streep is a phenomenal actress. But I do think that Emma Stone did a very great job, phenomenal job at La La Land, like I said. And, you know, this kind of proves my point that uh, the chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone just wasn't as good as people thought it was because otherwise they both would have walked away with Oscars. Instead, Emma Stone kind of carried Ryan Gosling to <laughs> La La Land, Oscar Land. So, <laughs> may, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Uh, your thoughts on Emma Stone winning Best Actress? Oh, no, I was really excited to see that. Um, and I, I think I think you misspoke a bit when you said that Then we go on to Best Director to, man, everybody's surprised that he gets his first nomination and he wins. And even at his age, uh, Jamie and Chazelle for La La Land for directing it. 
Holy mackerel. I mean, well, now i got to look at, see how old he is, because... Uh, he is, he's 32. I mean, but oh my yeah. God, he, he actually looks younger than that. Are you kidding me? Jeez Louise. Yeah. I thought he was in his 20s, actually. But most directors, I feel, they went and they're like, you know, 60-something years old. So you're like, well. Well, not everybody's like Mel Gibson with his, you know, weird smile slash curvy mouth deal that I kept joking about during the show, where it just, it just basically looked like, you know, he couldn't, clo- like you mentioned, like he couldn't close his mouth and we almost started turning that into a drinking game, but then it was just like, no, no, we would, we would be plastered by the time that this <laughs> would have ended. Plus we you, you used the last of the bourbon, so <laughs> thank God. <laughs> oh, damn it. Well, maybe for the Tony Awards, but, um, we move on to the final one. The most controversial part of the night, that being Best Picture. Now, originally what had happened was that it seemed like it was going to go to La La Land, and everybody was getting up there, and, you know, the acceptance speech was going on, and then I kind of noticed one of the sound guys up there, I'm like, oh, okay, what's what's going on? Is there, like, a weird glitch going on, or is there something weird? But then one of the producers said, well, I'm just being told that we actually lost, that Moonlight actually won, and I was like, wait, what? Okay, wait, wait, what? And then it wasn't until they kind of opened up the envelope and showed it to the camera. It said, Moonlight on top and Best Picture at the bottom. I'm like, oh, well, that was a interesting, you know, term of events. Uh, but kind of look at a little bit more about... Okay, yeah, he said, yeah, he said we, we lost, by the way. <laughs> Which, you know, the fact, the fact that, um, he, that he was a... I don't know if I would say a good sport about it, but at least he was, you know, professional about it, was just great to see. Uh, I guess apparently what had happened was one of the envelopes got, you know, switched around, and I guess, I, I don't know, it was just kind of interesting, but uh, a couple of the uh, statements that they made, uh, first by the PWC, they talked about, you know, the era, and they said, and I quote, we sincerely apologize to Moonlight, La La Land, Warren Betty, Faye Dunaway, and Oscar viewers for the error that was made during the award announcement for Best Picture. The presenters had mistakenly been given the wrong category envelope and when discovered was immediately corrected. We are currently investigating how this could have happened and deeply regret that this occurred. We appreciate the grace with which the nominees, the Academy, ABC, and Jimmy Kimmel handled the situation, which, oh my gosh, Jimmy Kimmel, he went a little over the top, but at the same time, he found a way to just make it, again, a golden moment where he just says, it was probably all my fault, I will never host the Oscars again, and it's just like, no, dude, you were awesome, dude, come back, dude, man, damn it, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, that kind of, that kind of made me a little bit sad, but it's like, Jimmy Kimmel, you did awesome, you did nothing wrong, uh, even New York Times had actually talked about this, and they explained, again, and I quote, the design of the envelopes could have been a factor. The envelopes were redesigned this year to feature red paper with gold lettering that specified the award enclosed, rather than gold paper with dark lettering. That could have been the lettering made the lettering harder to read. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, not PWC, is responsible for the design and procurement of the envelopes. Uh, and just a side note, Moonlight was the first uh, LGBT-related film to win Best Picture. So, hey, spot on you guys for that. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was just really weird because when uh, when, when uh, Warren looked at it, he kind of looked a little bit confused, and I was just kind of like, "Is is he okay? Is he fine?" Then uh, Faye Dunaway said, "You know, La La Land," and he was kind of still a little bit like, uh, I, "I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right." So it made more sense where it's just like, "Oh," and then he explained his situation. It's like, "Well, you see, what had happened was I looked at this and said, you know, said La La Land and Emma Stone." I'm like, "Oh, well." then you had nothing right. You were actually trying to correct, you know, the, you were trying to correct the problem. You were just like, uh, I don't think this is right. I'm, I'm not going to say anything for my sake. It's like, dude, spot on you for not saying anything. At least now it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, he's just standing up there looking like a, you know, like an idiot for some stupid reason. But it was because a mistake was going on. It's like, uh, yeah, I think, I think we got the wrong one. I just wish that he would have at least said something where it was just like, uh, I think we kind of got the wrong one here. Can we can we fix this? Yeah. It just <laughs> I don't know. Uh, your thoughts? Oh yeah, that was. I mean, I'm first gonna apologize. I think on the live feed, one of my friends was watching. I was like, you just the f word like three times. I'm like, what? Well, a little tipsy, and then I also that was a huge deal. I'm like, I just couldn't imagine. I in class the next day, which I, I take a few acting classes in Chicago, and we were all talking about it, and I'm like, I couldn't even imagine hearing my name and having them take the Oscar away from me, like, that would just be, like, how do you even deal with that emotionally, but, um, I mean, from my point of view, it's like, you said that his name was Warren, the two, the two presenters, the male and the female, it basically looked like the male was about to read it, and then he was like, it looked like he was making a joke, like, he's like, ah, and the female was like, um, come on, come on, they're waiting, (laughs) so, like, seeing, he, he, like, showed her, like, obviously, like, he's like, she saw La La Land, so she announced it, like, okay, it says La La Land, you should just say it, (laughs) um, and then when they came up and had one of the producers of the of La La Land having to say like this is not a joke we actually didn't win Moonlight won Moonlight come up here and get your award I was like what the ass and I'm pretty sure that's when I said it like three times I was like oh my god <laughs> how, how can they do that like it's the biggest award of the night I don't know if they wanted to just have some sort of controversy like we've been kind of saying like every award show and big things have had some sort of issue this year, so I don't know if that's the new trend of 2017 is let's go on live TV and make an ass of ourselves, but uh, sadly, like, the, the people of Huawei had to give the Oscar up to Moonlight, and then the people in Moonlight didn't really get a chance to thank their parents, they didn't get to say much, because it was already time to go. <laughs> I mean, Huawei had already gave, like, a whole speech about how thanking their parents and all this stuff, and it was just really, it was just a shocking moment for me. Just like, I mean, I'm glad that Moonlight won. I would have been happy if La La Land won too. But I was like, oh, just that, the whole situation that they threw this group of probably 20-something people in was just awful. And I'm glad they came out and didn't blame. I mean, that's why uh, the older gentleman, like, came out right away and was like, I promise, like, I didn't read it wrong. It said the wrong thing. And he's trying to save his ass, and that's true. Like, he's like, they're going to blame the old guy. They're going to blame the old guy for reading it wrong when it wasn't that. Like, like I swear, it's not Emma Stone. I didn't know why. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, though. I'm with you. It's like, hey, 
it's live TV, so I think he kind of got, like, nervous, but like, he probably should have been like, I think we have the wrong envelope because this doesn't say an actual movie. It's just an actress's name. Right. I wish you did that, but, I mean, that's someone who doesn't go on live TV every day wouldn't know what to do in that situation, so I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. I blame whoever gave him the envelope. <laughs> yeah. Well... Yeah, you know, no, it did make for a bit of a memorable night, but I do agree that it did seem kind of rough for them to just kind kind of do that. Where it was kind of you know one of those things where they sweep the rug, the pull the rug under you know Lala Land's feet and said, "Nope, it's actually going to Moonlight." But again, I think that they handled it in a professional manner. And again, like I said, Jimmy Kimmel, you did nothing wrong. Please, if they ask you to come back, please do because you did a great job, and I would love to see more you know, random candies and ice cream and stuff like that just falling from the ceiling because that was just awesome. But all in all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but all in all, Oscars, very watchable. I think this was actually the first Oscars I've ever seen. And like I said, I, I enjoyed myself. I thought it was actually pretty funny. I thought everything was great. And plus, like I said, you won an Oscar in the at the end of the night, so... <laughs> I, I was honestly kind of surprised. Here's the thing, is that you guys have no idea how hard it was for me to basically take an Oscar award that was from my room. I had an original plan on how to do this, because I thought, oh, well, we're going to do this in the hotel room. It's going to be fine. we got a plan for it. But no, I basically had to find a way to just take that from my room downstairs and just kind of, like, sneakily kind of put it in. And if you look at, like, the very end of the video, you'll kind of see me just grab this, like, golden thing and put it on my side. And I'm honestly surprised that you didn't catch it right off the bat be like, what do you have over there? But it wasn't until I said something that you finally realized, oh, okay, that that makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. If you guys didn't see, uh, Nate gave me a, a cute little Oscar guy saying, like, the best cosplayer or Oscar for the best cosplayer and hashtag better than Style and have my has my victory bell name on it. It was really nice. Thank you so much. I appreciated it. Yeah, not not a problem. And the thing thing was, I think you're the first person to ever win an Oscar to not thank the Academy. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I can do a little acceptance speech. <laughs> well, well, I th- I think after that that controversy that happened at the end, I think the Academy doesn't deserve too much praise. But at the same time, it could be overreacting. But. All in all, guys, thank you so much for watching the live stream of the Academy Awards. All in all, I think that it was a pretty good success, even though every now and then we had to go from location to location, even though my equipment kind of failed. One time we had to do like a three-part deal. Uh, Grand total, at least over 500 viewers got the chance to see us react to that, and that's pretty awesome. So thank you guys so much for watching it thank you for your comments even if some of them were kind of like meh and again and again and again and again joe it's not that i'm not jealous because i'm not batman i know i'm batman you just don't know it yet so keep an eye out (laughs) all right so that is going to wrap it up for this edition of change the f up uh do you have any big events coming up as far as conventions go as far as cosplaying goes any big announcements as far as series go Here comes the plug. Uh, of, course, this, yeah, well, of course, this weekend uh, is County Mall, which is the first time I'm ever going to go to County Mall. I, I guess it's like a, it's a free con out of Orland Park. Um, 
and I, it's March 4th, so this Saturday, and it's just a one-day con, and it's really interesting that it is a free con. I, I never really get to go to any free cons and have a booth that, I, like, you just, anyone can walk in, you don't have to pay, you can just, kind of like a, a thrifting store, like, you don't have to pay to go in to see all the vendors, so it's really cool if anyone can make it out to con, uh, Connie Ball in Orland Park. I'll be there with Dead Group Dark Coffee Classic. And, you know, I'm pretty sure my friends from Age of Geeks are going to be there, the cosplay group. There's just going to be a bunch of people. And it's going to be a fun show, and hopefully a lot of people come out, especially since it's free. Um, what else do I have to say? I just wrapped on City of Angels. So as long as they don't have to film or refilm anything, we should be seeing at least some promotional products from that, like pictures, or hopefully the pilot will come out in the next couple of months. But again, I'll let you know. You don't have to keep asking me because sadly the answer will probably be, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but it is the, it's the pilot shot out of St. Louis. It's, we're looking to put it up on Amazon and other places to really just get this demonic, crazy, angelic, the demon war out there. And uh, being the main character, it's been really fun and, I hope that it, you know, it goes over well and people like it. Um, another thing that is new with me is I've been asked to be a contributor on Gotham, or Cats of Gotham, and that's a new magazine that's out of Dallas, I'm pretty sure. I'm saying this song, I'm going to be really upset, and somebody else is going to be really upset with me. Um, but uh, it's a new thing that I'm doing, and I'll be a contributor to Victory Bell and kind of be showing off my simple pictures and other stuff. It's a, a magazine that's really kind of revolving around DC Comics and, of course, the Batman series and Harley Quinn, the Joker, Catwoman. They just are getting people from all around the globe. Like, when I say all around, I mean from Indonesia, Australia, Germany, and all these different cosplayers from all these different countries and bringing, bringing them together into this magazine out of Texas. So... It's really cool. It's going to be an online magazine, so there'll be some videos within the pages, there'll be pictures, there'll be podcasts, possibly, if podcasts want to go in there and talk about DC Comics, <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to help out and just see where this goes, and I'll, of course, be throwing that across my Facebook and hopefully Twitter and hopefully Instagram feed, so if anyone's interested in that, uh, I'm pretty sure the next volume is going to be out April 7th, so right in the heart of con season. But I think that's all my announcements as of now. I mean, this week, got the con, got the magazine, and yeah, it's just it. Very interesting. So definitely keep posted on that. Of course, guys, go check it out. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Victory Bell Cosplay. Also check her out on Twitter at Victory Clark 04. Uh, and it's Victory Bell Cosplay for your Instagram, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, guys, again, uh, thank you for joining us here. Next week we will be going through a review episode. I'm actually still working on trying to get this review episode going. For Season 1 of The Dettersons, I will be doing a solo episode this Saturday. Not this Friday, but this Saturday now. So be sure to tune in to that, as well as my thoughts on a couple movies, including The Cure for Wellness. Because that was, oh man, that was quite a movie. Um, 
Uh, next week, like I said, Dedersen's review. Uh, tomorrow, we will have Smart Money Podcast along with the Fast Lane Predictions, which will pit uh, Spencer Hart versus Mr. Chris Lockman, the champion. Uh, Friday, I'll do a, more of a wrestling-based shoot uh, podcast, so that'll be interesting. So, guys, check that out. And I'm going to say, say this. Uh, Tori, I'm going to give you two weeks. Two weeks to build up a case because we're going to finally have the big debate that we talked about a couple weeks ago. That being the debate on Green Lantern. Is he a superhero or is he a super zero? So, guys, be sure to tune into that. It's going to be a very interesting one. I have a case that I'm building up for that. And we're finally going to decide, you know, between us, you know, who's going to be the one does. And again, I will try to have a polling system. Again, like we did with the DC versus Marvel deal on who had the better case, who won. But that is going to be in a couple of weeks. So thank you again, as always, Tori, for being here. It's always fun having you on the show. It's always just great hearing your insight and hearing everything that you have to say. So thank you again so much. And looking forward to seeing what you have coming on with conventions that will be posted again on her Facebook and possibly on her Twitter. We'll have to wait and see. But it's but yeah, it's it's been a pretty great week, and these shows are just going to continue to get a lot better. Hopefully, I do not, you know, harm your chances with DC, but I will probably be that person that's going to say, "Well, there's some superheroes I kind of disagree with," but we'll get into that again. I'm, and it, I'm excited to hear what other people say about you saying that Green Lantern is a super zero. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> You're just waiting for all the comments to just blow up in my face. All right, guys. So thank you so much okay. for joining. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for this edition, and we will see you guys next week. Remember, hashtag Dedersen style, let's make it a trend. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.